Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, everybody. It is Friday. Yay, Friday. It is May the 14th, 2021 in the Atlanta, Georgia, in the USA. This is England is burning for today. And this, you know what, y'all? This is the sixth video of the week. That is a record for us. We have never done more than five. We are now on six because it's been a wild week. But we have a very, very special occasion to talk about. We have a very special uh, set of guests to bring on to talk to all of us about the Women's Champions League final that is coming up. Yes, one of the English teams, if you have not been uh, sleeping for the last year or been living in Iraq or not the country uh, or, you know, or living somewhere where you don't have access to internet uh, for the last year. Yes, Chelsea, and as part of the nine-year project to get themselves from basically scratch to the top of the pyramid in European women's football. Chelsea is in a final for the Champions League for the first time, looking to give an English squad the Champions League in the women's game the first trophy uh, since 2007 when Arsenal was the, the champion and the trophy's been handed around from European uh, in Germany and France for the last 13 years. And so that reign is going to be broken on Sunday. So I'm bringing on someone who, who is going to talk to us about Barcelona Femini and someone who's going to talk about Chelsea as well. So I have uh, Rada and Arvan. Uh, and, and they are going to talk to us about kind uh, of introduce themselves to all y'all, and then we'll get into the Champions League matchup between Barcelona Femini and Chelsea. So, Rada, I will start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Keith. Thank you for having me on. I am a 20-year-old student from India, and I run a platform called She Talks Ball, which is basically a platform that covers women in sports. It covers all sorts of sports, but mainly football right now, since that's what I'm watching the most and covering the most. And it's just, it started with an idea of having to create more content, coverage, and conversation around women in sports, because I saw that there was a lack of coverage. And then if there's a lack of coverage, there's a lack of demand to watch it. So I think it just spiraled from there. And um, while I'm not studying or doing other things, I try to put my time and effort into increasing coverage around women's football. I cover the NWSL as well over in America. And of course, the WSL and the Champions League that we're here to talk about. So that's a little bit about me. All right. Honor Vaughn. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Yeah, thank you, Keith, for having me. Uh, my name is Anurban, and I'm from India. Um, I work for an NGO called Dream a Dream. We use football as a medium to teach life skills. And I'm also part of um, a common goal governing task force, where uh, uh, including one of the Chelsea uh, players, Paril Harder, is part of that, where you know they, they pledge 1% of the salary towards the greater good. So, uh, yeah, that's my short background. Now, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm always transparent on this pod video cast, y'all. And so I'm going to say to, to, the, to the audience that I was watching the DFB Pokal final in a bar in Atlanta. Uh, and I was, you know, I, I was just chatting back and forth. And, and I responded, Rada, to a tweet that you put out, basically kind of almost an open open invitation uh, to be like, hey, you know, I want to I want to talk about the Women's Champions League. And I was like, hey, I haven't gotten my show together yet for the Champions League final. Uh, and then I was like, oh, let, but I need a Barcelona folk. 
<laughs> you know. And so we, I, I'm sitting there drinking beers and IPA, watching uh, Borussia Dortmund win the the finals. I'm pretty happy. And so I, you know, I get introduced to the both of you. Um, you know, and then we we put it all together through Twitter. Um, you know, small world uh, that we live in. That I can you know come up with a with a uh, podcast episode. You know, drinking in a bar in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, you know, watching another game with some with two great folks in uh, in India. So I was like, hmm. the only thing that was like thinking like, okay, what's going to be the time zone difference? <laughs> you know, so it is. So by the way, y'all, it's nine and a half hours. I'm recording this at 6 a.m., but I'm normally up, so don't worry. Okay, so Anurban, I'm gonna I want to start with you. I want to um, because um, a lot of the viewers, a lot of listeners to this may not know a whole lot of Barcelona feminine and about how that team is set up, the road that they have taken over the uh, not just in this season, but in in previous seasons, they have been a quite successful program in Spain, uh, in the Primera, and um, so I'd like. If you can just kind of give us an give folks an introduction to Barcelona Femini for those people who may not be familiar with them. What's what is that? What is that squad about? That club about? What's their road to this point? Yeah. Uh, so unlike the men's team, uh, the family is quite uh, quite new uh, and fresh as such. But uh, I would say to get get to this Champions League final. It, it took us a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of uh, investment into into the teams. Um, I remember, in, I think in 2011-12, where uh, the uh, the teams, uh, the men's team used to go on a different plane. The women's team used to go on a different plane, and there was so much of inequity uh, between the men's team and the women's team. And and at that time, the Johan Cruyff Stadium was also not ready, so they used to play on a small stadium and. Uh, we and we were not that successful in the league. We were just catching up to all the teams, uh, Levante, uh, and uh, the other teams were much better than what we were that time. But I think what changed was the investment in players. Um, uh, I think the first, the one of the first, uh, I would say, a famous player came in was uh, Lege Martins uh, in, in 2017 after she won the the Euro League, uh, the Europa League, and uh, Euro League, and also. Uh, she was one of the. Uh, I think she, the day, the year she joined, she was just the uh, FIFA best player of the year uh, during that year. So uh, I think that was a massive shift for Barcelona, uh, moving on from much of a, I would say, an amateur setup to a much professional setup in in I would say in from the, since the 2016-17 season, and that's where we started to pick it up. Uh, and now, uh, and you and you would see the the players which we which we have. We have made a lot massive investment in Spanish players, right? The the I think the core of it is a lot of players play uh, in the Spanish national team, and there are two young girls. They are like 17, 16, 17. They are part of the squad. So I think the the very opportunity which we are which we have given uh, to those young girls there, uh, I think that's a massive shift. So in short, um, uh. Yes, the it was heartbreaking to see the our team lose to Lyon in 1920 Champions League final. Uh, but I I I knew that was the first time, right? I mean, it was massive game for us uh, because I think out of our own league, I think we were playing for the first time in such a massive crowd, such a massive team. Uh, Lyon is is massive, and I was talking to others also the same thing, right? That. My dream was to beat Leo in the final. Because I really wanted, wanted to beat Leo in the final. Just to, I, I wouldn't say revenge, but yeah, 
year was one of the best teams, but um, but yeah, I'm glad that now we are again in the final. Uh, with Hamoso, she's she's one of the uh, leading goal scorers, and as you would know, Basa is one of those teams who has gone unbeaten uh, in the in, in the league. They have this time broken all the records right from the points. If you see the goal difference, it's massive. So uh, we have, I think we have hardly conceded any goals. Uh, I would say around six to ten goals we have conceded. And that's massive across the competitions, right? From La Liga to the Champions League. So this is this is uh, this season is massive for us, and I see a massive potential not just for this year but upcoming years too. Do you recall, Anirban, the what led to the club making such a massive investment into Femini? What led to yes. that? What what what? Yeah you know, what was the driving force behind that? Because I think that's really important that, I mean, Barcelona is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, yeah. And then they made a decision, a very thoughtful decision to to put a lot of investment in the women's team as Chelsea did. And, and you now see the result of that now, you know, as we're going into a, into a final for a European trophy for with both teams in there. So what led to the decision by Barca to, uh, to put that investment in the women's game? Right. So, uh, in 2019, I was in Barcelona and I was just chatting, talking with the guys there, you know, looking at how what changed over the years, right? Um, I think in, in the year we started playing professional league, I think properly in, in 2011-12 and then it started growing up and I think the investment started coming since probably 2015-16. So uh, we were waiting for the Huan Tribe Stadium to be built because that was going to be our home. Until that time, uh, our players were not were not uh, playing in in Camp Nou. So there was a small stadium, small grounds which we were playing in, and that investment was made because strangely, uh, I don't know whether you guys know, but uh, Barcelona didn't have a uh, didn't have a gender diversity policy. The policy came in probably in 2011-12, and that's where the investment started coming in because that's where they believe was that time only the men's team was playing and performing and there was no roadmap for the women's team. And uh, after the policy started kicking in, that's where they started more investing in women's football. And right now you see the investment coming up, uh, especially in the lower rungs, right, where our, uh, our, our uh, younger lot play. I think they have also invested in, 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 in uh, not just scouting, but providing them a platform. In the, and Spanish league right now, is is uh, even though it's un, un, unknown to a lot of the other guys across the world, but if you if you follow Spanish league, it has been growing a lot. Uh, Real Madrid coming in right now last year, uh, uh, making a significant investment, uh, and it will grow. Um, the, we have a very competitive league, though this time uh, we you know we have there's a massive gap, but I I see a lot of potential because. Uh, the teams which have been invested this year, uh, they will come in another five to six years. They will be the one of the best because for us, it took some time. It took almost four to five years to win a league. And then we, we didn't win a league for two years. And then we started winning again uh, since 1516. So uh, it took us some time. 
Yeah, and I mean, in it's not like I mean, it's very rare when you have a story where a club decides, okay, we're going to invest in the in an, on the women's team, and and it just automatically within like one year, it just all of a sudden blows up, you know, yeah. and they become European champions and and so forth. Now that could possibly happen, you know, but it it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, I. Anurban, I have to be honest with you and, and say a couple of things. One is that, you know, I've, I have followed Barcelona for oh, quite a long time. So, you know, I was I have been a little bit familiar with with Femini and, and not but not really following them very closely until very, very recently. Um, and then, you know, at, in the lead up to the round of um, no, the quarterfinal uh, of the Champions League with Manchester City. Of course, then I would then be like, okay, I need to go back and I need to research uh, for that matchup. And and I, I was like, I was looking, and you mentioned sort of the gaudy numbers of you know in Primera that Barcelona has put up this season. And you know, at the time I looked at it, was like you know they scored like ninety nine goals in league competition and had given up three. The last goal they had given up was a was a penalty kick to Real Madrid. <laughs> I mean, it was just yeah. like really insane. And then I was like, all right, let me watch them. Let me let me go and, and you pull some video of, of them. Yeah. And and what I saw was, and it, you know, it was something very similar to what I was seeing out of Chelsea, you know. And what I mean by that is I was seeing like a team that, that you know, just played very fast with high lines and wanted to strike very quickly, and, you know, on the flanks or up right up the middle. And I saw, you know, a you know, a boatload of star players that could score goals, you know, and, and, and that's what they were doing. Now, one of the things though, that I, that I fell back on where I was thinking that, that, uh, you know, and I, I'm happily eating crow, as they say, um, that I was like, you know what, I've seen some of their games against a lower competition in in Primera. And I was like, okay, this team, this Barca team looks like they're playing a team that is, you know, at the lower end of the scale and they're kind of showing it. So they, and there was some, you know, slowness and sloppiness and, and things like that. And I was like, are they not used to playing, you know, when they then come up with a higher, higher level of competition, how are they going to respond? And, and sure enough, uh, you know, they did respond. So what you mentioned the league is getting better you know tell us a little bit about this season and barcelona season in a little bit more detail in regards to the league and and what 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 has their road been like in the champions league up till today yeah so um the honestly uh with with the resources which barca has uh that is right now unmatched with any other team in the spanish league right uh i'll be very honest and compared comparatively the wsl teams has much more resources uh, right from the stadium to the equipments, the uh, the backroom staff. Uh, that's where I think what is missing. I think the investment part is coming up. Uh, WSL has a massive, massive contract, uh, right? The the, uh, the TV contract. Whereas I struggle to watch the games uh, mm-hmm. in Liga. Uh, it's it's very inaccessible especially to people like us um, from India and other parts of the country, uh, other parts of, of Asia for that matter. And that's where I think that's what is missing, right? I think the uh, the very uh, uh, the investment in football is missing. Uh, even in the, if you see the, the reason why Barca was moving on to the Super League was also because of this, because uh, the investment is not that much in the lower league, though the lower leagues in the men's team is still uh, 
okay is uh, they they can uh, they can uh, you know counter the uh, likes of barca madrid uh, both madrids and uh, say uh, say uh, uh, sevilla for the matter but when it comes to the women's league i feel the investment has to be much more much more uh, it's not enough right now uh, even if you see real madrid the struggle with with barca right now the women's team right they were beaten first first i think 7-0 and then i think they were beaten uh, i think 2-1 or something like that they've still recovered but uh, in order to be competitive i feel um, they have to be uh, they have to make those investments and it's not just to the team but it has to be the league it has to be the federation uh, they have to make those tough calls because uh, you will see the difference um, uh, in 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 the women's team because none of the uh, liga teams except barca or probably atletico madrid uh, have those resources right now other than that i i don't see anyone having resources though they have talent but talent has to be you know uh, balanced out with resources too um, so i think that's where um, La Liga, Liga is missing uh, a crucial part of competition, and you see Barca scoring 128 goals, uh, conceding only five goals in the league. So that's huge. Uh, and um, you would see when when we were playing City, uh, you would see the difference. We we were not we were not that dominant, we, uh, like what how we are dominant in the league. Mm-hmm. We we were good, but we were not dominant, which means that we have matched uh, we have a matched competition. Right, I was. Very scared of City. Honestly, I, I love City. So uh, City's defense was amazing in that way. Uh, so uh, and uh, honestly, that's why I'm afraid of Chelsea too. Was the the top the the forward three? Uh, I am in awe of them. And uh, and these kind of investments uh, which Chelsea made for for the they had like you said they had a project. I think that project part is missing. Uh, I see Madrid uh, Real Madrid has a project in mind. Uh, they are signing some good players. uh but then in order to make the competition much more harder uh, other than again just like men's team uh, where atletico barca and real are there uh, i i am i'm really um uh, i'm sad that it will end up looking at looking like that where uh, just the three teams will fight for the competition the others will will get left out and i'm probably saying from the part both league and european competitions too I hate to mention you Barcelona's stiffest rival uh, in Spain, but I think it goes without it. But we have to mention Real Madrid. And, and I, the reason why I mentioned them is that how, in your opinion, how does Real Madrid's entry into the women's game, is that it, because of their massive popularity, the, how big of a, of a club that they are, them putting their hats in the ring, what is that, has that kind of helped to... Uh, embolden, you know, the women's game in in Spain in the league itself to have Real Madrid now in it. It's massive. It's it's like Manchester United coming coming to WSL, right? Uh, yeah. I, I think it it has a similar impact because um, Madrid, just like Manu, was missing uh, missing on the women's league, and uh, I'm uh, though um, uh, Madrid is not going with the you know uh, they have bought a club. and then they are investing on that club uh, as a madrid team but um i'm glad i'm glad because uh, before uh, i think only uh, uh, atletico uh, where are where are our challengers and now i think atletico is also losing i heard today tony dugan is planning to come come back to uh, to manchester i think probably city so uh, i think that's where 
a, a lot of teams will lose out talents because um, uh, because of lack of uh, you know accessibility and investment. Uh, I mean, I would love to see uh, a media mark to come to Barca and the top uh, goal scorers, right? But mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's where the investment is missing. Uh, though I'm glad that we are investing in Spanish players, but it's sometimes good to see some star players come come to your teams. So, so I want to get to Rada here, uh, and because uh, there there is, it, you know, from what I'm hearing, there seems to be very much a similarity in in sort of how you know the sort of the project that Barcelona has put forth, uh, and then the similarly the project that Chelsea has put forth. So, so um, Rada, tell us a little bit. I mean, there's a lot that people know about Chelsea women's team. They are the champions of the, the you know, WSL, and probably what I, in my opinion, one of the most unprecedented WSL seasons campaigns was this particular season. And coming out of the you know coming out of the pandemic, Chelsea had been sort of you know handed the trophy last year because it ended in, on you know points per game. Um, but this was a very you know I mean going into the final Sunday of the season, the title race had not been then actually determined. It was a very tight, tight, tight race for the top of the WSL between um, Manchester City and Chelsea. So tell um, tell us about. The Chelsea season so far, um, you know, the the project so far that has led Chelsea to be where they are in a final. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting that you mentioned that the, the title wasn't decided until the last match day. And even the relegation battle was going on until the last match day. So the competition within this English league is is a different level. And that's the reason it draws, um, you know, the best players in because you always fighting for your spot. So that means you're always playing competitive games and that prepares you for the European competitions. It prepares you for playing four tournaments simultaneously. And of course, people, the club sign people because you need bench depth, you need bench rotation when it comes to so many games. So I think that is a good aspect of WSL having so much competition. As for Chelsea and their project to march on for this historic quadruple, is it to, if it is to happen, I think the project, you know, it doesn't begin from the first kickoff of the season. It begins when Emma Hayes makes her first signing or when she starts planning to make that signing. And I think we often miss out what the managers contribute. We see them on the sidelines for 90 minutes shouting here and there and we're like, oh, you know, she had a good game. But I think the contribution starts. Emma Hayes probably started planning to sign Pernilla Harder when we lost the Champions League semi-final two years ago. I think that's when she started saying, you know, we need someone who has European experience who can come in and help us. So that's where the planning begins. So this project is inside Emma's mind. It's like a big whirlpool where everything's going on there. And, you know, I always say that trust Emma. She's got a plan. Um, we are, we look like we've got a strong squad, but we had a little bit of defensive lapses. And then you saw Anik Nowen signed, the 22-year-old Dutch centre-back we signed a couple of days ago, which just tells you that, again, Emma has spotted those little kinks and she has signed that player now for the next season when we will have to sort those problems out. I think for Chelsea's season so far, it's been one of resilience. It's been one of dominating, but dominating um, by sort of earning earning every little thing. You know, Manchester City didn't give us one minute to breathe. United didn't give us a minute to breathe. I think Arsenal were very strong, but we showed that our signings, our strategies, our playing 11, our substitutions, everything that goes in the world of football, we sort of ticked those boxes. And we had one shock upset versus Brighton in the WSL, which proves that no team is invincible. And then the fact is the way Chelsea bounced back from that shows you what a dominant team Chelsea is, why they're called mentality monsters and how you come back from defeat 
to go on even in the the two champions league legs right our quarter final first leg was not very good second leg we we completely dominated wolfsburg semi final first leg we lost to bayern second leg very very tough hard fought game but we stayed to at the end and we sort of you know got that 4-1 victory at the end so it shows you what this team is made of and i think that's going to just that's the kind of grit that's going to come in this final from both sides there is only one leg to play right so there are no two legs so the first half and the second half are going to be very very challenging in those aspects i i might even see say that the two teams you know either will be a goal fest or they'll be sitting back watching how each other play and the second half will be complete chaos but i guess that's the beauty of champions league where it's champions of one country playing the champions of another country for european glory so what i'm what i'm hearing is that you know this that Emma Hayes was brought on board, you know, and at Chelsea with a with a project in mind, and and you know she is the architect of that project, um, you know, moving forward. But then you know Chelsea as a you know as a club is same with Barcelona had to put in a tremendous amount of investment, but also trust Emma Hayes that she was going to you know put it together and knew enough about women's football or a lot about women's football, obviously, uh, to you know put a team together that was not only going to challenge for titles in in England, but also challenge for, um, you know, challenge for titles on the European front as well. And, you know, I'm a big component, uh, component now, proponent of clubs who are run well, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, clubs that have a plan, a logical plan, a rational plan to slowly build over time to, um, you know, to become, you know, the powerhouse that they are. Now it does take resources and that, and, and that's obvious and, and we've seen it, but I'm what another thing I'm a big proponent of Rada is the fact that, you know, you can have all the money put into it, but if you don't have people who are able to run it and spend properly and use those resources properly, then it's going to flop, you know, regardless of how much resource they're in. So, um, you know, how great though is emma hayes as a football manager i mean she's probably listed as the is like the the top manager in uh the women's game period um and you know the funny thing is i i, uh, I was um i'm a big player of football manager you know the the video game and i watch <laughs> videos constantly about you know football manager tactics and things like that and then there was a youtube um you know um person that that, do, that does you know tactics for football manager and he put out a video not this past week of emma hayes's tactics um and i was like whoa you know that's the first time i've seen uh, a youtube content person you know talk about football manager video game tactics and have a have a women's team manager as a as a subject of the of the entire show and I, I that just really goes to show how massive emma hayes has become so tell us a little bit more about emma hayes her coaching style her leadership uh and how pivotal she has been in this art uh, creating what chelsea is today yeah emma hayes has been with chelsea for a good now nine ten years right it shows you firstly that she's committed for the long run it's not a case of it's a stepping stone which often is the case in women's teams and you know, women set up. So that is a big bonus that it's not a stepping stone for Emma. She's here to coach world-class players who compete for World Cup championships, who compete in Olympics, who compete in Champions League. And I think she wants to really set a standard for what coaching in the women's game will be like. I think she wants to set the standard that 
it's not women's football and men's football that are coached differently it's football and she can really coach anyone it doesn't come down to you know who it is and another thing for emma hayes i think is as a person she is very genuine and even in her press conferences i love watching them it's because she says simple things she says you know i'm paid to win and that's what we're going to do you know within the laws whatever it is we're going to if we need to have a gritty game and ugly game we're going to do that because we need to win and that's determination that is just the drive to push your players and push the standard within the squad it's easy to push a standard in a league by you know getting resources and things like that but if you don't push the standards within your squad your players won't grow so i think that's something that she's very careful about as well another thing is that she's very genuine while talking she says you know i'm not going to uh sit here and talk like a robot you know i had a, that game was not fun to watch we really need to improve in this aspect that aspect so it, it's very nice to listen to her because just as a fan or just as a person who watches sports you can learn a lot from her press conferences another thing is when our players had injuries obviously fran kirby had a very career threatening illness for a good 7 8 months she said you know forget about football your health is on the line talk to me daily come to me if you need anything so she's a very good people's person and a people's manager you can have a person who's very smart in the football world who has a great footballing iq but sometimes may not be able to connect with people on a personal level and i think chelsea has created this atmosphere thanks to emma hayes and of course her backroom staff and everyone involved in the chelsea management that they've created this atmosphere where chelsea is not just a team it's a family so you have not just teammates but you have people who you have relationships with who you can go to for anything outside the outside the football world within the football world you know you you're not always threatened that you're going to completely get dropped if you have one injury or if you have one illness emma said fran you know recover rejuvenate get healthy samkar is not here to replace you so it was just a case of you know how you treat your players and how you make relationships with them and i think i think it's just fantastic the way emma hayes um i i think a big factor for why fran kirby signed an extension in february she could have easily waited till may end or april to do that the reason she signed in feb was because she was so sure why is she so sure that she wants to stay at chelsea like one they're a winning team one the atmosphere created by her management by emma by her teammates is one that she wants to live in and the one she wants to thrive in i think that is something that a lot of managers can take away from is setting up that atmosphere where players want to sign extensions obviously in the wsl you can see right now it seems like the managers themselves have a transfer window where everyone seems to be leaving her there chelsea seems stable you know touch wood they seem stable players are signing extensions emma hay says you know i'm in it for the long run and i think that gives a lot of confidence to the fans as well so i think emma hay as a whole is someone who are very fortunate to be in in the chelsea colors you know and i really hope she signs a lifetime contract if there's a thing like that but she's been very pivotal for chelsea's growth and that growth has now led to a great amount of success as well so let's talk about let's talk about the game Let's talk about the game coming up on Sunday uh, in, in, in uh, Gothenburg. Um, so, so Rada, tell what is for those who have not seen Chelsea play. What is their style of play on the offense and on the defense? And do you expect, in, or in what and in what way, any type of tactical or tactical changes in regards to? facing Barcelona knowing what Barcelona femini bring to the table as well. Yeah, I think uh Chelsea's sort of national style of play is very attacking. We had um I think versus Bayern in the first leg of the semi-final, we had the ball a lot and we didn't know what to do with it. We tried to attack but but Bayern was just in a low block waiting to attack on the counter and they did very well they in fact beat us in that game. So our natural game is attack, it is to draw fouls, it is to 
get corners, it is to have set pieces, it is to always put pressure on the opponents. And I think Barcelona are the same. And that's why this match is going to be so chaotic. That's why this matchup is just going to be two attacking forces going at each other. I think um, for, I'm sorry, what is second question? What was that? Uh, do you for as far as uh the other the second question is on is defensively how does chelsea kind of what is their their tactic tactics defensively and do you expect any do you expect emma hayes to make any changes or is she just going to go with what she typically runs with which is basically we want to score in the first 15 seconds uh you know and we're going to keep the pressure up until we score that first goal and then what happens next is is once you once that opponent gives up the first goal what we've seen chelsea do is then it's a feeding frenzy almost like piranha where they just go after then it goes one two three four you know and then sure enough it's now four nil and we're 50 minutes into the match um that's kind of what i see and they lose a lot of uh long balls down the flank long balls up the middle i mean they're just you know you know huffing and chasing down i mean which is perfect for the game of, of folks like fran kirby and sam kerr um you know um to you know to play in it's you know the very just very fast place i'm sure it's pretty fun to play too but defensively what does chelsea bring and do you expect any changes tactically uh in playing barcelona knowing that that's kind of their style too and it's interesting that Chelsea and Barcelona have never played each other in a competitive fixture. And what an occasion to have this first head-to-head -head game. I think uh, in terms of defensive styles, our, our goal is pretty simple, you know, keep it out of the back of the net. We have Anne-Catherine Berger, who's been in the form of her life and has arguably been tested much more than Sandra Panos has to have been tested this season, which is a good sign. It means that when she's put under pressure, we've seen that she has delivered. So that is one good sign. Obviously, our backline, Magdalena Eriksson, who's our captain and our centre-back, has been a vital piece of Chelsea. And we only realized that when she was missing. And when she wasn't there, we were really, you know, struggling, searching around who will replace her, how will it be? Her vocal presence on the field was really missed. So I think it comes down to just holding that line and it starts with Magda Eriksson. So when you watch the match, whoever's listening, when you guys watch the match on Sunday, it's going to come down to Magda just bossing that line and instructing players and calling when to go up and when to drop back. And I think that's going to be how they manage the attacking wingers of Barcelona. Because honestly, this entire season, I have looked at the opponents of Chelsea and never felt too much of dread or fear. But I have when I've looked at the potential lineup that Barcelona could bring. Baker Martins and Caroline Graham Hansen on two sides. That worries me, especially since our first fullback, Marin Mielder, has a season-ending injury. And we've got a couple of youngsters who haven't performed, who haven't even played in the first half of the season, who are now playing in the Champions League final. So that matchup will be interesting as well. I think a lot of play will be going up and down the wings for Barcelona. They're going to look to exploit Chelsea there. And I think Chelsea's style of attacking is simply don't play, don't have the ball for too long, keep playing progressive passes. And finally, you know, put a ball in behind for Sam Kerr. If the defenders have gone away with Sam Kerr, Pernilla Harder will be free. If they've gone with Harder, Frank Kirby will be free. They've got, you know, that's the entire point of having such good, talented players on both sides is that you just cannot mark everyone at the same time. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a goal fest, this one. And I think that fits really well into Barcelona's typical style of play uh, and so forth. And Ravon, what should we expect from Barcelona with the ball? And what should we expect them when they don't have the ball? Do you expect them to change their tactics? Because, I mean, because those, even people who don't know a lot about football know about Barcelona's style of play, their typical style of play that, that's a, 
a roadmap, the total football style of play brought in, you know, from Cruyff, you know, decades ago. I don't know, as I, it appears from what I have seen from Femini that they do also play in that style and that philosophy, uh, possession-based, but also fast with purpose. Um, but also, you know, high lines of defense, a lot of pressure on the defense to try to get the ball back um, and so forth, which does, if you, in watching Chelsea play Manchester City, um, you know, and y'all had a, you know, y'all had a chance to face someone like Manchester City and how they set up defensively and how y'all were able to take advantage of space uh, that was created by the high lines. What do you expect? What do you expect? Uh, or, you know, what's their style of play with the ball, play without the ball and any changes you think that your manager is going to put in for Chelsea? Yeah, honestly, uh, the men's team and the women's team play very similarly. The only thing is that the men's team is very dependent on Messi, whereas in the men, women's team, there's no such one character as such, right? We are a team. And um, the style of play, uh, both teams, again, very similar, tiki-taka, total football, uh, position-based. I, I am just afraid of the defense, honestly, uh, because Chelsea's attack, yes, I am... I'm always really scared of that, uh, especially care. And uh, I don't know whether, um, because again, what we have seen even in the men's and women's in both that we go so high, we end up, uh, you know, conceding a goal. So, uh, and we are really bad at set, set pieces. So set pieces are the worst part of our both men's and women's team, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So um, that, for example, like the men's team had, uh, Carlos Piol before that character, right? That character is both missing. Uh, even that that sort of character in defense uh, um, in 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 the women's team too. Um, I feel that uh, big big our midfield and uh, forwards are pretty pretty damn good. Um, defense, I think we we need like that one strong uh, center back who who could like drive everything because right now what we are seeing is. Uh, all the instructions are driven by the midfield, right? And that's where all, every, everyone is dictating. Uh, and that's typical Barca style. But if we are going to have a solid defense and for a team like Chelsea, we need to have someone who can, you know, doing the set pieces, instruct, right? And uh, and make sure that the ball is, uh, you know, out of the zone and it does not come back. And the problem is that what we have seen is we somehow miss that, those options. Even with Chelsea, we ended up having a stupid blunder uh, at that time, and that made Chelsea come back. Where they were nowhere in the game by that time, but one mistake made them come back. So uh, honestly, defense-wise, I'm worried. Uh, but uh, looking at uh, again, uh, when you compare uh, uh, La Liga to a to a say a WSL, the the level is very different. So though we come, though we conceded. Uh, only five goals there, but I, I don't see that happening in the finals. I think the finals will be, like Radha said, it will be like attack, attack, attack. And whoever uh, whoever lapses in the defense, they concede. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I see a very competitive football. Um, 
yeah, which is which makes this final such a juicy one for any for neutrals and fans of both sides alike because you, you're, it's going to be a display. But I mean, but also, I mean, you look at Barcelona's road to the final. I mean, in sort of in, you know played having to play Manchester City, and then having to play then playing PSG that had knocked off Leon. You know, I know y'all wanted to beat Leon. Everyone wants to beat Leon, but you know, uh, except Leon. Um, so. Um, you know, and you didn't get a chance to play Leon, but I'm, I'm sure you'll take beating PSG to get to a final. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. it, I mean, but um, you know, um, but one of the things I wanted to ask about Nervon was the was um, and, and Rada, I want you to jump in too. Is the and I hate to bring it up though, but the role the role of of uh, officiating, uh, the role of of the referee, um, because in Barcelona's in Barcelona's first leg against PSG. Um, at in Paris, I thought the 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 referee lost control of the match, uh, and it, it, it turned a, dis- a really great display into a bit of a mess. And one of the thing, one of the the critiques that has come out in terms of women's football is the level of officiating. This is a Champions League final. Are any are are either of you concerned that the level of officiating, it's also affected Chelsea in their matches as well during in their run, uh, where the officiating has been either inconsistent or downright poor. How concerned are both of you in terms of the a level of officiating in a final when it's just one match and that's it? Uh, honestly, I, I'm not concerned that much uh, mm-hmm. because, okay. um, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, there have been mistakes, but uh the come i mean it's not that much but i think it's it's fair enough uh in terms of it's a human mistake it happens uh so yeah i mean and i am uh the referee for the finals she is quite quite experienced and i believe that she she uh she is uh she will do I mean, she'll do much better in terms of appreciating uh and uh i mean see uh of course, the officiating needs to be much better quality. But do you do you really even talk about the men's football? Right, it's <laughs> right. much bad, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I mean, uh, let's uh, let's not get into that also. But but here at least the quality of officiating, I feel that compared to the men's football, has much been much better. Uh, and yes, I think we will improve uh, in in the next couple of years. But I I feel I don't see much of a problem for Friday. Right yeah, on. if I can quickly add there, um, I think there is a baseline level of concern that is always at the back of the mind while playing, while playing or watching. That you know we need this officiating to be up to par. Um, I think with women's football, the thing is there is no VAR, so there's everything rides on that one call that that ref makes in the split second. What I'm concerned about for this final is that there is VAR. That's what yes. concerns me because you, I don't see how you can. VAR is a very complicated system. Players need to have you know, trained within that. Goalkeepers need to practice getting off their line or not getting off their line. And there's like a whole bunch of very fine details that need to be mastered over a season. You can't play in whatever fashion you want and then say we're gonna like we're gonna check every inch in your toe or every hair strand that falls out of place because that's when it really gets messy. And I think with VAR, one thing is that the players need to be used to it. Second thing is the refs need to be used to it. We need to have refs who know how the system works, who knows when they have to go and check the VAR. People, the ultimately VAR is just giving you the video in detail. Ultimately, the human is still making a call on it. So I think it's important for the humans there to have practice of it, have proper VAR training, which I don't know if there is, given the fact that 
they don't play with VR throughout the season. So they're just, you know, refs are just doing their thing for the entire season and then suddenly they have this burden of VAR. So even for the ref, it's a big deal. It's a big game for the ref as well. A lot riding on the line for them. I think VAR being just slammed into a, a Champions League final is a bit, it, it leaves a bit of taste in my mouth. I think it's a very afterthought kind of a move. Similar thing happened in the 2019 World Cup where VAR was just thrown in there and people were like, what is happening here? Every every defender running, if it hit their hand, which was close to their body, it was a handball. Like, that was just a complete mess. So I think um, it's important to gradually ease it in, which we haven't done. And I'm afraid that VAR is going to steal the show in the final. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's what I feel. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what I was sort of alluding to was the, was that the, the role of, you know, the role of VAR in the final because I, I would hate to have a scenario in which... Um, you know, uh, and Katrin Berger is, is, you know, on a line facing a penalty and VAR checks and sees that she was like one toenail off the line before the, you know, before the, the penalty kick and it, it, they do it again, stuff like that, you know? Um, so, you know, so that is going to make it interesting. And, and I have, you know, nightmares about scenarios like that, you know, uh, but, but Anabon, who, who should, Again, for people who are not familiar with Barcelona Femini, who are the players to watch in this match for Barcelona Femini? Who should we be looking at and looking for in this in this final to, to, for the uh, casual uh, observer neutral folk out there? Right. Uh, so, of course, our, our goalkeeper Panos, uh, like she's one of the best, uh, and, and she saved a crucial penalty uh, against Man City. Uh, she's quite good in terms of uh, leadership style. And uh, Maria, uh, she's she's a good defender. She has a, quite a bit of experience. Um, coming on to the midfield, uh, you know, our own captain, Vicky Losada, she's, she's quite good. Uh, and our famed uh, attack, uh, which is, you know, Oshohala, she's, she is one of the highest goal scorer right now uh, of Barcelona, uh, including, uh, you know, Hermoso. And of course, Martins is there, and uh, you know, uh, you can crowd this Karen and Graham. But I feel they will start with, um, you know, Oshohala and uh, Kalina and Martins probably will start because she recently has got her form back. She's back to scoring goals. Uh, so I feel she will get the start, and probably uh, Hamoso might come as a, as a sub. Uh, so, uh, but, but yes. Uh, I mean, our, our team does have does not have like the big names as such, but uh, uh, we do have players who can have a massive impact on the on the ground. Rada, who are uh, who are the players to watch for those who are not familiar with with Chelsea? Who are the players to watch in this final for Chelsea? Yeah, I think the first name is Vanilla Harder. She's a new signing for Chelsea and she has, in my mind, been solely brought for one purpose and that is to win the Champions League for Chelsea, right. with Chelsea. I think the entire Barcelona team has faced this occasion of a big final before, but from Chelsea's side, there's just one person who's faced this occasion two times, in fact, and that is Vanilla Harder. So her experience and, of course, her skill and talent on the field is everything. I'm sure Barcelona have got a separate plan just for Vanilla Harder. So she's going to be one to watch. She'll probably be in a pink headband so people can see her spot her quick, quickly. Um, apart from that, our goalkeeper, I think goalkeepers always play a big role and often go unnoticed, you know, unless it's like an own goal or something that they score. But just a shot stopper, a clinical shot stopper in Anne Catherine Berger, probably one of the best in the world. It's shocking. It boggles my mind that she just has two, three national caps for Germany. But she's definitely one to watch. She has saved a couple of penalties 
uh, versus Atletico Madrid within the Champions League and of course some penalties in the WSL as well. She has great reaction saves and over time has built up confidence and in distributing with her feet as well. So she acts almost as that fifth defender when they need to swing the ball around, which is again a, a vital cog in the entire machinery of Chelsea. But of course, apart from that, Magdalena Eriksson have mentioned our defender, our captain. I think captains always have a special special mention for you know both sides because they're ones who are leading on the field. I think both captains are very vocal in this game. So it'll be a case of just very intimidation almost. You need to have that vocal factor on the field. And of course, up top, there's Fran and Sam. You cannot miss them. They're going to be giving the defense line a hell, hell of a time. Hopefully, they can sort of break them down or outsmart them if they can't outrun them, whatever that might be. But I think those two are just been, it's just been their first season that they're playing together and the kind of telepathy that they've created and the chemistry that they have, they've peaked at the right time. And that's a very comforting sign for a Chelsea fan. And going into this business end, almost like the complete end of the season, this final, it's the biggest game of the year in football. These two are going to be one to watch. So I think these are just a couple of names from the Chelsea side for people to watch. Uh, I have to give a quote in the Times uh, today uh, from Sam Kerr um, because, because I mean it's it, it's classic, um, you know, um, in in responding to her the doubters because you know uh, the doubters of Sam Kerr you know are out there and when she was not clinically finishing early in the season which is not the case now there was a lot of doubters out there you know we're talking about the, one of the best goal scorers in the world and her quote was honestly I have nothing to say to the doubters they get paid to write headlines and all that stuff and they've got it wrong this time so I don't have anything to say they can just send me a bottle of wine in the mail now as an apology um I mean that sums up Sam Kerr in a nutshell and sums up her personality also is kind of sums up uh, Emma Hayes' personality as well she just shoots from the hip and very honest and very genuine as you mentioned Rada before um you mentioned Pernell Harder and and when I was talking uh in the Chelsea weekly feature with Rob Pratley um from CFCW Social you know mm -hmm. I, I mentioned her name as I think she is the key to the puzzle you know for Chelsea um that I think because of her experience in a final um and that's the thing that that if there is one thing that is not checked on the box for Chelsea is experience in a final Barcelona has had that experience in a final that's it but the signing and the performance that Pernell Harder has put on the, the pitch this season in the league and in the Champions League has been, you know, pretty outstanding. And I think that's probably, I think in this match is going to be like a really critical player on Chelsea side that may help them get them over the line. Anurban, is there one player that is like y'all's Pernell Harder, the person that you think is the the factor that might get Barcelona over the line this time, uh, as opposed to previous experiences. Right. Uh, so, um, honestly, in the 2019 final, I know we would not win because uh, we all were like five, they've won like almost every final consecutively, right? And uh, and we were the first finalists, uh, first day finalists, we, uh, we hardly had any, you know, competition in the league. And I, but I knew that time that you know we we had this team, and if you see the core of the team is maintained, Mertens, Vicky, uh, you know uh, Maria, uh, they all are maintained, and they have that experience coming on from that 2019 final. So uh, I feel 
I, I have a soft spot for Mertens because uh, she is one of my favorite players. Yeah. Uh, and uh, personally, I have like I'm in awe whenever she plays because in the wings she's amazing. And I I feel if if it's her day, uh, she's she's magical to see around. Uh, she like the way she controls the ball. And of course, um, uh, Osohala, she she is a good finisher. Uh, so, but I would put my word in Martens if she's on form, uh, she can roll over anyone. So, uh, and I have seen her since her under seventeen days when she won the uh, the Euro, uh, and she has been amazing. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to see her in the two thousand nineteen finals in Lyon. Uh, her life, so I am always uh, uh, I'm in love her with her football, the way she plays. And I hope that she she gets that impact. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you on that. Uh, she's really going to be the I, I think the key uh, cog this time for for Barcelona on Sunday and so forth. Now this is the hard part, y'all. This is the hard part. I'm going to put you on the hot seat now. All right, I'm going to start with Rada. Rada is Chelsea taking home taking home the cup, and what's the scoreline going to be? Do you think? The scoreline is going to be 3-2. Chelsea take the cup. Uh, the winner will come in 80-something. 80, 80 um, that's pretty certain. And I think, yeah, it's going to be a battle that both sides remember. One side is going to be, unfortunately, really disappointed. I hope it's not the Chelsea side. But, yeah, 3-2, Chelsea win. Anurban? Basa 2-1. I think it will be very tight. Uh, um Though we expect many goals, but I feel uh, looking at the, even the City game and the previous Chelsea game, I, I still feel we will uh, uh, we will have just like three goals in total, and I hope that the two is for Barca. So yeah, Barca two one. So I, I'm a stats guy, and I've I, I've looked at I've looked at numbers, and I look at numbers all the time, uh, but the. But Chelsea has something, in my opinion, that goes beyond the numbers. Uh, Rada, you mentioned the mentality uh, that there's something really special about this team uh, and, and so forth. And I also think Pernell Harder is the key to this match uh, to me. I think Pernell Harder is going to get the game winning goal in the end. Uh, I think also this game may end up going in extra time. Uh, I see a thriller where it's going to be 2-2 and we go into extra time. Uh, and But Pernell Harder is going to get some goal from 18 feet, 20 feet away that's you know going to rattle the net and going to make it 3-2. That That is my prediction because I think there, there is a mentality factor that is in play with Chelsea. Uh, that has that Emma Hayes has brought in uh, this mentality. I mean, I've read the quote from Sam Carr that that's, that fits the, the 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 narrative perfectly of the mentality that Chelsea has. Now, to Barcelona's credit and to their advantage, one of the things that I saw that was very interesting, Anurban, in the in the semifinal in the second half uh, was a change of tactic by Barcelona in the second half of the PSG match that allowed them to see the game out. 
they basically, they were, I think you mentioned that your concern for their defense. Uh, and I think they changed tactically against PSG in the second half to try to shore it up just enough to see the game, to see the game out. The reason why I mentioned this was that I think that was very important flexibility on that team, on Barcelona's part. That might also, also, I think, have a role to play on Sunday as well, is them, they were able to really flexibly move, change tactic like that, where they went away from the possession attack strategy and we're like, okay, let's do more possession defend to see the game out. Um, so I would be concerned if I were Chelsea a little bit, if they got behind um, and so forth, because I think then Barcelona may look at like, let's, you know, let's see it out. It's going to be a classic match. It is going to be a spectacle. This is probably the best, probably the best final we could get. Um, in the Champions League for women this year, um, and it won't be uh, one-sided for sure. Huh? Yeah. It won't be one-sided. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Wolfsburg to win, you know, um, yeah. or Leon. You know, it's yeah. it's um, and it's great to have. I mean, it's really great to have it have a team that's going to carry home a trophy for the for the first time. Uh, either way, you know, whoever wins is you know it's a first-time champion um, and so forth. So it's really going to be a great match. Um, it is going to be aired in the United States on regular um, on regular TV here. Um, that was announced, you know, um, yesterday, um, and so forth, you know, more coverage for the Champions League final for women here. Uh, so it's hopefully we'll get a bigger audience. And I, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast and watch this video are, are Chelsea, like get like the biggest Chelsea folks, uh, and so forth. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure a lot of Chelsea folks here in the U S will be watching and, and a lot of Barcelona folks as well. Um, you know, we got a lot of Barca fans everywhere too. So Rada, Anabon, thank you so much for joining me today uh we're, we're hitting almost that hour mark that magic hour mark and so forth but thank you so much um for uh for joining me here uh and so forth um and yeah hope for a great match everybody okay but thank you very much both for for joining me Thank you for having us. So this is our close. This is the, like I said earlier at the start of this, this is the sixth show this week. I am very tired. Uh, and, you know, uh, it is early in the morning and, you know, it just is. But uh, the Champions League final really deserves the treatment. So uh, that's why we're going to bring it. We're bringing it here today and so forth. So in closing, remember, everybody, that the light is out there. Please acknowledge the light. It is part of you. Let it become you. Uh, and then also we have to unfortunately acknowledge that the darkness is out there as well. But do not let the darkness hug you or even come close to you in any way, shape or form. But if it does, take care of yourself. Help yourself out. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. And England is burning. Is going to close. We will be back, I think, probably on Monday uh, as a re probably reaction video from from Chelsea. Uh, you know, uh, in response to the final, uh, it will not be on Sunday. I've been told that that people are off limits on Sunday after, after the final. So regardless of result. Uh, so take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and watching this video. Smash a like on the video. Please subscribe. Please share on social media. Uh, this um, this podcast, this video cast, that's how this program has gotten as weird and as big as it's gotten. So take care, y'all. Have a good one. Bye, y'all.